was to share their opinion on this life that I've been living and shit that I've been getting into. Excuse me, but what's your business here? What's your motive? I see the sink in your eyes. I don't know who to confide. I keep on crossing my eyes and sipping on the tea. I watch my mental. I trip trying to fucking predict who slip. Catch him shitting on my name real quick. But it's cool. I got you. I feel it. I'm quick with it. To the voices in my head, I be like. Welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. Today, it is Friday, June 7th, 2019. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio. We're in the Mission District. We're in San Francisco. We're on Ohlone land, and one way folks can give back to the land that we're on, if you, if you go to the Segorate Land Trust, or if you type in Shumi Land Tax, and that's S-H-U-U-M-I Land Tax, um, you can give back to folks who were on this land before us and that's one way to give back forgive me as i am starting off the show a little bit uh i prepared and also would like to have prepared more oh there's that saying fake it till you make it and i never quite liked that saying i understood part of it and also i feel it's important to uh show our humanity and show our vulnerability and i want to get to a lot today so that's why part of the reason i'm talking quickly and also wanted to play a lot of great music from trans artists, so I wanted to share that with some folks. The most, the last song we played was called Shut Up, and that was by La Femme Bear with Bella King, and you can find that at lafemmebear.bandcamp.com. 
And before that, I've got a lot of tabs open, so please bear with me as I go through. Before that, we heard a couple songs from Sapphire Lung. You can find them at sapphirelung.bandcamp.com. And before that, we heard Oh Mutants by XD Legit, and you can find that at xdlegit.bandcamp.com. And also going to plug a couple of shows. There's a lot of queer events happening uh, this month. So there's a Queer Rebel Fest um, where um, XD Legit will be playing tonight. Um, so if you go type in Queer Rebel Fest, you can find all that info. And, and uh, La Femme Bear is also playing at uh, Queer Rebel Fest tonight. So if you're in the Bay Area, please do check that out. I'm going to go moving quickly. Also a lot to talk about. Also feel like ranting because there's a lot of terrible things that are happening in the world and it's important to name them and to witness that they're happening and also find out ways that we can work to end them and and stop it. And uh, it's a lot. I am already overwhelmed and I've just started talking and haven't even, even gotten to the things that have happened yet. I can go down a laundry list. I oftentimes start a list as the week progresses of stories I want to get to. Some are local, some are international. It really just depends on what's happening. And if you're listening to the first the show for the first time, it's not a comedy show. Someone asked me that once, uh, a guest came in, and they were like, is this a comedy show? And I was like, no. And I would like it to be, and also, and I understand the importance of finding humor in difficult situations, and also, I would like to get to that point where uh, one can, uh, uh, you know, the, the saying... Tragedy plus time equals comedy, and right now the terrible things are happening in the moment. So it's really difficult to laugh right now when people are being killed. Oh gosh, what a downer! Oh well, it's also it's happening, and uh, I can't lie about it. So there are people who are lying about it who are in positions of power, and they need to be stopped by any means. So I'm putting that out there as I do often on the show. A few things that come to mind off the top of my head: things that have seriously upset me. <sighs> A number of trans women have been... Uh, I also want to provide a, a trigger warning for the show, too. And I have this difficult time in terms of partially online and also, I think, on the show, too, wanting to share what's happening in the world and not further traumatize or further cause harm to folks who already are aware of it and, and living in this. And at the same time, I want to notify people who might not be aware of what's happening. So it's a difficult line and I feel like I don't know. It's something I'm constantly working on and I feel like not sure how else to, I just have to go out and say it. Um, so a number of black trans women have been killed so far. I think the number's up to nine so far that have been reported in 2019. Um, so that's something that's been happening. And of course there's been a steady increase in the, in the last few years of transphobic violence. I read in the Examiner, a trans woman was just pushed down, um, who was waiting for a bus in the Castro recently. Uh, there was a gay bashing um, outside the DNC, which happened last week here in San Francisco as well. And San Francisco and the Bay Area has this reputation of being this quote-unquote progressive area. And I also want folks to recognize, perhaps compared to some other areas in the country, it, it is that. And also 10% of the residents here in the city voted for 45. So putting that out there, and also in terms of the just draconian, I don't know that that word comes to mind, but the just, uh, I don't have words strong enough to how reprehensible the the laws that are in place. And of course, the laws have nothing to do with what's right or what's just. There are uh, homeless folks and poor folks are criminalized in this city. There have been sweeps against homeless folks. That's part of it. And also just, there are thousands of people who are on a wait list every day for a shelter bed. It's over a thousand every day. That includes children and it's legal even though it's, and it's fucked up 
the, the uh, excuse me, DPW, Department of Public Works, and SFPD routinely go and they steal people's belongings. So these are folks who already don't have housing, many of whom I think it was over 70% of the folks who are on the street were previously housed in San Francisco. So people get kicked out when the rents go way up and then they're further criminalized and people's possessions are taken, their medications, their family photos. Think about if you had to get kicked out, if you were kicked out of your home, what would you take with you? And then imagine you have at least these possessions with you, these items that mean a lot to you, and then the city workers come in and they take it from you. And they they say, oh, we bag it and tag it, like you'll get it back, and they don't. So there's a new... Um, project out called, I believe, Stolen Belongings, and they've been recording this as well as as the Coalition on Homelessness. A lot of folks have been reporting about this, and it's also fucking disgusting. So that, and also recognizing how many, I think it's 40% of youth who are on the streets are LGBTQ, so many many folks who have been kicked out of their homes by their parents or guardians, um, not to mention folks who are unable to find jobs, there's job discrimination, there's housing discrimination, I saw an article recently, I haven't read it yet, although I, it's, uh, I think like over half of folks are afraid to come out at work. So that's, a, that's another thing too, where there's this, there, it's Pride Month, so there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of corporations that are like changing their logos to have rainbows on them as if that somehow um, absolves them of any homophobia and transphobia they have in their policies or their hiring practices or what they do with their wealth. Also, don't donate to HRC. If you happen to have capital, donate to other organizations. And there's a lot of other organizations that actually help people. Um, So I want to also (sighs) mention those. One organization that folks can help out is TGI Justice. And if you go to tgijp.org. Um, that's the transgender, gen, excuse me, transgender, gender variant, and intersex justice project um, that helps a lot of folks who are inside and outside of prisons. It's a prison abolitionist group um, started by Miss Major. So that's a really important organization that folks can lend their support to. There's also Trans Lifeline, which is a, a suicide prevention hotline uh, run by and for trans folks. There's also Black and Pink, which uh, it's a way that connects folks who are incarcerated, queer folks that are incarcerated with other folks on the outside who can write letters, send books, um, another way to provide support for folks who are incarcerated. So those are just three. There's many, many more organizations for folks to support, but please support those instead of uh, HRC. HRC already has a lot of money. They continually have thrown trans folks under the bus in terms of fighting for certain legislations that don't help the majority of queer folks. So there's a lot of other organizations to help. Also, if you know any trans folks, help us out individually. That's another thing you can do as opposed to throwing money at HRC. Okay. Well, here I'm going. Okay, so then incarceration, of course, makes me think, I'm going to calm down for a moment, and then I'm going to get really angry again. Uh, Recommend folks check out When They See Us, which is streaming on Netflix, uh, directed by Ava DuVernay. And it's about the five young people um, who were arrested and framed for grotesque, violent crime and spent years incarcerated. And I don't want to speak too much more about it. I do want to encourage folks to to watch it. And it's again on Netflix, so please uh, check that out. Um, If you haven't already, when they see us, please watch that. It's like these things where I'm already uh, against prisons, I'm against cops, and I'm against 45, and then I see uh, a film such as that, and I, my anger increases exponentially and just at, at these forces and people in positions of power who, who 
cause harm and they're cruel. And what can we do to prevent it? So I also, and to stop it and stop that from happening. And so I also want to note that uh, I had a conversation with a friend recently and she suggested something really positive that she and her, a friend of hers had, had done, which is how do we, knowing that these terrible things are happening in the world and, oh gosh, and then also that there are children in concentration camps here in this fucking country. And I, okay. And what's being done to, to stop that? What's being, you know, there are folks who say they put their lives on the line to defend this country, et cetera. Why aren't they out there liberating these camps? Why aren't we doing that? And I'm including myself in that. Why are we not doing that? We know this is happening. What's preventing us from acting on that, from saving these families? Oh, so to get to the thing, uh, I was talking with a friend about how just witnessing all that's happening in the world and we have all this information about the, all this cruelty uh, that's happening right now. And I think for a lot of us, we witness it, we take it in, and then I can only speak for myself. And then it's like, I feel powerless or hopeless in a way where it seems like it's, I know it's systemic and it's been happening for generations and also what, you know, what can we do to stop it and to help and also, however, when we hear these, and I should say, when we hear this news, it there, it's like a psychic attack. It's in a, it's, a, I think it's also done to to scare us. Uh, there were a number of folks who had been leaving out water and food for for migrants who were coming here, um, and the folks have been arrested for that. So. Again, it's similar to, similar to folks living in poverty being criminalized, people who want to help people. Uh, and that's been happening for quite a while. There, I think there were some laws. I keep on reading about laws about you know, it's, again, you're, it's, a, it's illegal to collect rainwater or other things like that. And folks who want to live off-grid, that's somehow illegal in some ways. And anything that you want to live off the land or uh, just support oneself or support other humans. There were some fucked up laws in Florida, I believe, where they had made it illegal to feed homeless folks, something along those lines. And this idea that humanity and empathy is not only questioned, but then criminalized, which then prevents other folks from acting as we should. We should be here to help each other. That's what this is about. And people in positions of power are just, they're, I don't even have the right words to describe how cruel they are. So getting back to what this my friend was saying was just that if we spend X amount of time consuming this news every day, we need to spend X amount of time um, acting and creating actions in terms of how to combat that. So what are we doing instead of just, or in addition to reading what's happening, what actions are we taking then to solve those problems? So wanting to put that out there. Thank you, Poppy and Katie, for bringing that into my, because it's recognizing that, yes, action is what we need to do. We need to take our our anger and, and use it to stop what's happening. And at the same time, recognizing it, it's, it feels like this exhausting, like kind of block and also recognizing there's so much that's happening. It's not just, there's, it's so many folks are being attacked in so many ways on so many levels. So there's also a matter of, okay, what do we focus on? Oh, fuck. Okay. I did want to get to, um, so last week provided some ways that folks could show up and and talking about certain ways that folks can show up, whether it's, there's a lot of different ways and recognizing that people have different resources and different abilities. And there's also lots of ways that folks can, can show up and participate. One big thing I also like to encourage folks is to have conversations with people. That's a big thing. 
is to, uh, I know it's easy to get trapped behind a screen. I do it myself. But if we have conversations with people in person, that's one way just to educate folks and to encourage other folks to, to step up in, in ways that we can. So I wanted to just read at least a headline um, of something that was positive. Um, so Mihente, which is a really another great organization for folks to support. I'm going to be playing a video from them in a little bit, too. If you go to mihente.net, and there's a previous episode spoke with one of the organizers from Mihente. Um, just a really great organization to support. Get a lot of great info from them. Um, so they had posted, they've done a, you know plenty of research and if you could see my computer now, I've got, I would, I don't want to exaggerate, but almost 20 tabs open and I'm clicking on them individually because these are a lot of stories I want to get to, which I will most likely not get to. However, I do want to find at least the headline to share with you all. And I'm probably just going to have to go back to this first page here and scroll and find it. Long story short, um, Palantir has, or UC Berkeley, I should say, has decided not to continue working with Palantir after a lot of folks have voiced their concern about Palantir working with ICE. So that's something positive I wanted to share. And I believe that article, it's from a pretty more much mainstream publication. It was from Bloomberg, but I did want to read that. And that there was some reassurance, yeah, from Bloomberg.com. Palantir dropped by Berkeley Privacy Conference after complaints. So I do want to encourage folks to continue doing what you're doing and that everyone's voice uh, matters and has a, has an impact. So there's an article on Bloomberg uh, written by Lizette Chapman. Palantir dropped by Berkeley Privacy Conference after complaints. So if folks would like to read more about that, please do check that out. And I don't know if I've shared it yet on the F- Facebook Weekly Review page. I will hope to do that sometime soon. I also wanted to get to another positive. There's also like lots of folks going on strike, so that's positive. Um, lots of activists uh, showing up in a lot of ways, so I also wanted to share that too. Again, it's a two-hour show. There's only so much to get to, and this is only a fraction of what's happening. And I also want to just summarize or get to as much as possible and also recognizing how much of it's connected and it's really just state terror in in different ways and i also want to share what folks are doing to uh fight back because i think it's super encouraging and also a reminder that folks have been fighting back for generations so um one quick note here i might just read some headlines to save on save on time uh, Daily Kale, activists advocate for decriminalization of sex work at Democratic Convention in San Francisco. And that's an article that's, again, at the dailykale.org. Um, from Jewish Currents, there's an article, uh, U- University of Chicago Wildcat Strike Empties Classrooms that came out on June 6th and was written by Chloe Watlington and Lee Harris. So you can find that as well. Um, yeah, lots of... Um, Bustle has an article from nine days ago by Seth Milstein, How to Find an Abortion Clinic Near You with One Simple Text. So you can find that again at Bustle. Uh, there's an op-ed um, from Out Magazine. Uh, 50 years later, Pride Month is a disgrace to our ancestors. And that's written by Raquel Willis. Uh, and then that came out on May 31st. Um, uh, 45 was in London recently, and th- thousands of protesters came out to protest him so that's a positive thing i'm going to go through these as, as fast as possible possible um in st louis activists projected cops bigoted social media posts on police headquarters and cruisers it's an article by rebecca revis came out on june 6th and they have 
footage of that as well. There's an article that's really important I think folks should check out um, from blog.usejournal.com. San Francisco Pride, nation's largest LGBT celebration, takes place on indigenous Ohlone land. And it's written by Abel R. Gomez. And folks can check that out as well. Super informative. I learned a lot from this article. Please do check that out. And also, there's an article from Next City just uh, offering childcare at uh, city meetings may be key to diversifying civic engagement. And that was written by Rebecca Ritzel, came out on May 8th. So other ways that we can have more folks show up, super important. Uh, Oakland has decriminalized shrooms and other natural psychedelics. And that was written by Sarah Ravani, June 5th from the SF Chronicle. Um, of course, something that's grown in the ground should not be illegal and people should not be incarcerated for doing any substances. There's also, uh, I would like to read more about this, so I don't know too much about it, but in the Sudan, there are protests happening. There's one article from MiddleEastEye.net. Uh, Sudanese opposition again rejects talks and lays out list of demands after days of violence against protesters. So folks can check that out as well. And again, like we get, we only receive so much information in terms of the mainstream media. So also wanted to to share that, which the story, especially I think we get stories that are very U.S. centric. So it's crucial to also understand what else is happening. Positive news story: Matt Getz becomes first right-wing American politician to be milkshaked. There's an article by Hannah Gold, uh, and it says above it, "Milk shook." Came out on June third from thecut.com, and of course these are folks who advocate violence against. Uh, people that result in people's deaths. So them, I think, being hit with a milkshake is uh, the very least they deserve. So good for that. The New York Times, 11,000 people who prepare your airline food are considering a strike. That was in the New York Times, written by Noam uh, Scheiber, and that came out on June 4th. And someone else mentioned, well, what air- airline food? Yes, and it's important for folks to take action. Also, journalists on uh, for Vox, V Vox, <laughs> excuse me, I'm talking really fast. VOX uh, went on a strike yesterday as well, a day, they, a walkout, wanting to share that information as well. Oh my gosh, getting to so much here. All right, got to Palantir, got to that one, and also wanted to get to, there's another thing I wanted to get to, which is that the Juvenile Hall in San Francisco will be shut down. So that's a positive news story. And I wanted to share a little bit about that. I posted it a while ago, so I'm going to... Uh, find this, if you just bear with me here. Yeah, lots of information. I'm just talking it out. Feel free to listen again with a pen if you, there's more that you're interested in, ways to show up, and just an understanding of what's happening and, and how, again, how folks can fight back. And it's really crucial that so many folks are going on strike and taking action. Positive story. San Francisco to approve closure of Juvenile Hall. This came out on June 4th. From And there's an article in SF Weekly. I'll read a little bit about that. It's important to share uh, positive uh, movements have been made uh, with the help of activists uh, throughout time. And I'm just going to check one more thing here. All right. So San Francisco to approve closure of Juvenile Hall. The city has been spending $13 million a year on a youth jail that is never more than a quarter full. This was written by Noala Sawyer, and it came out on June 4th. Uh, The San Francisco Board of Supervisors voted Tuesday to shut down the county's juvenile hall by 2021 in a landmark move for criminal justice reform. The legislation was sped through City Hall. It was only put forth by Supervisors Shimon Walton, Hillary Ronan, and Matt Haney in April. The board voted 10 to 1 to shut the youth jail down with Supervisor Catherine Stefani in dissent. I don't know why. 
I don't know. I guess she likes having kids locked up. That's pretty disgusting. Okay. Uh, all of the changes that people like myself have made in our lives have been a result of mentorship and quality after-school programs, but it has never been because of time spent in juvenile hall. Walton, who spent time incarcerated as a youth, uh, we are proposing an alternative that offers a true opportunity for young people to be rehabilitated. Individualized plans that focus on on the person, not the infraction. The biggest indicator of whether a kid is going to spend time in jail as an adult is whether or not they spend time in juvenile hall as a kid, Ronan said. We spend $13 million on a jail that is three quarters empty all the time when kids come out worse um, when kids come out worse than when they went in. It's a punishment-based system for children, many of whom have been traumatized throughout their young life, and many of whom suffer from mental health issues, and yet they are detained by themselves in a locked concrete cell for 11 hours a day. Supervisor Asha Safai cited strongly with those who drafted the legislation, we have a culture of incarceration, and it is no secret that it is disproportionately youth of color who are caught in this vicious web, he said. We incarcerate more people than any other country in the world. It's time for a change. Stefani stated, I don't really fucking, that she's, anyone who supports putting kids in jail, um, I'm not going to fucking read what she has to say. And that's the bonus about having your own show. Um, okay. Juvenile Hall did not help me at all. Sitting in that cell tore me apart, said the Young Women's Freedom Center's Letitia Silo, who is 18. I couldn't even see outside. The windows were blurry. Hearing the door shut, that's all I remember. The closure of Juvenile Hall is long overdue. A recent study from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and Brown University stated that incarcerating young people increases the likelihood that they'll go to jail by 23%. (sighs) And the majority of people in San Francisco's youth jail are black or brown and raised in the city's poorest neighborhoods. It's a systemic failure that starts young. When we first started looking at the data on what it would look like to close Juvenile Hall, we realized it's not just Juvenile Hall, it's this larger system, says Jessica Nolan, the executive director of the Young Women's Freedom Center. Of the women and non-binary folk we interviewed who were black, 71% of mothers had been incarcerated and 82% of fathers. 76% of the young people we interviewed had been checked up on by Child Protective Services. We live in a city and county that is criminalizing the existence of black people and brown people and poor people. While Tuesday's vote was a landmark decision, there is still one more vote to pass and almost two years to go before the hall is shuttered, and there's a lot of work left to be done. Supervisor Norman Yee drove home the point that alternatives to juvenile hall must be created before our current system is dismantled, requesting progress reports every six months and a comprehensive plan to be presented to the full board by June 2021. Exactly what to spend the millions of dollars currently being poured into the jail on needs to be determined but Walton has full faith in the community to identify successful programs. We would never put a system in place that is worse than our current juvenile hall, he says. Ronan shares his vision. We can do better by our kids here in San Francisco, she says. We are not afraid to be the first city in America to do so. All right. So with that, I'm going to play some more music, take a bit of a break, and we'll be back in a bit. Stay tuned.
welcome back to the weekly review. Joined here by guests, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Roger Marenko, president of the Transport Workers Union Local 258 here in San Francisco. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Yeah, we met in a labor studies class at City College uh, last year, or earlier. It's been a long year. Yeah. So I'm glad you're able to make it in. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Professor uh, Fred Glass was absolutely amazing. Learned a lot from him and his class and just the uh, the students. You know, it was an absolutely spectacular uh, class. So I'm glad that I was able to take that. And so great meeting you there. Yeah, likewise. I've always met a lot of great folks in the classes at City College and learned a lot, certainly about labor history. And it's something I feel that's not really taught a lot here so in the States. So I'm grateful for the reading and the discussions that we had in class. Absolutely. You know, it was uh, ever since I took over this position here, the uh, president um, of TWU Local 258, you know, I just want to get a little more educated in terms of labor, labor history, labor law, labor politics, et cetera, and so forth. So, you know, that was definitely an eye opener in terms of taking his class. Professor Fred Glass, I highly recommend yes. uh, him for anybody and everybody out there listening. Yes, and also his book about uh, California labor history, which, you know, goes back uh, centuries. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, you're speaking a little bit about there's a new contract uh, for transit workers. So the membership, uh, we just ratified our contract. Mm -hmm. I think it's... uh, we had a substantial vote uh, turnout. It was, I think, a three to one. So for every no vote, there were three yes votes. Okay. I think the membership was very pleased with this contract. Um, could we have gotten more? Yeah, you could always get more. But, you know, we sort of settled for uh, what we did just because of the fact that we didn't really lose almost anything. You mm-hmm. know, and so when you don't lose something in the contract, that's also a benefit right there. You know, yeah. uh, we were able to get the wage progression reduced it used to be 48 months now it's down to 36 months great for new hires uh also they used to start off um the starting pay at 63 percent and now we increase that percentage to 70 percent mm-hmm. our wage increases are the wage is the wage pattern that was given throughout the city and county of san francisco which is a four percent for the first year three and a half percent the second and three and a half percent the third year and then we were also given um we were able to negotiate a whole bunch of other little perks here and there in terms of premium pays etc so the membership i think was was fairly uh, pleased with that, you know. That's great. And also imagine it just takes a lot of time and energy just to go through those negotiations too. Indeed, you know, um, this was my first negotiations that I had ever participated in and I was actually preparing for this since last year of, uh, gee, what are we in now, 2019, 2018? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Took a long time, you know, reading, rereading, and then re-rereading everything else, you know. Yeah. What, um, so what else helped prepare you for the, like in terms of research or what else helped prepare you for the negotiations? Actually our class, Professor uh, Fred Glass's class, you know, Mm -hmm. helped me prepare also a lot of uh, labor leaders, labor Mm -hmm. organizers, and just labor educators out there. You know, I had a lot of uh, key folks helping me out in terms of, Hey, you know, maybe you should think about this. Maybe you should structure this in that manner, et cetera. Cause I, I really don't see myself as, um, as a, as a labor expert, I simply see myself as just a voice for the transit operators and for TWU Local 258. You know, yeah. just given the fact that I have not been around that long or that much, so mm-hmm. my knowledge is not as extensive as other people that have been here. So yeah. I don't consider myself an expert in any way, shape, or form. I do simply consider myself just the voice. Yes. Yeah, that's it's really inspiring too because I feel like a lot of folks would like to have more of a say in terms of their their jobs and also it's a little bit 
frightening if folks don't know where to go or what to say or how to organize. Right, right. So it's been a, a tremendous learning experience for me. I've been through my highs and my lows yes. in this organization. And, um, you know, I think the city and county of San Francisco knows about it just because of the fact that they've been following, yes. you know, with all of the media coverage that we've been able to garner in these past, I don't know, this past year. Yeah. You know, whether it was good or bad, happy, sad, you know, et cetera. So. Yeah. I mean, as someone, I've always loved public transit. And so it's something that really want to ensure that the workers get get their needs met. And I think with the changes in San Francisco over the last decade, it's been difficult with the, the quote unquote ride shares and is one one way which I think prevents some folks from taking public transit because they'll feel to just call a public or excuse me, they'll, they'll call a private car service instead right you know and and you said something there you said uh ensuring that the drivers that the operators get what they need and what they deserve and it's also you know making sure that the city and county of san francisco gets what they need and what they deserve you mm -hmm. know in terms of safe transportation in terms of reliable transportation in terms of on-time yes, service yeah. and performance and safe buses clean buses you know what i mean yeah. so you know this contract was uh was interesting in that sense because it makes the job a little more attractive and a little more appealing for mm -hmm future applicants you right, know instead right. of maxing out in pay after 48 months now it's down to 36 months you're not going to start off at 63 percent of the pay you're going to start off at 70 percent of the pay you know it's we still have a long way to go mm -hmm. but it is a, a start in the right direction yes. you know what i mean living in one of the most expensive cities in the entire united states of america yeah. you know you should not have to uh, it should not have to take 48 months to max out and pay, you right. know, starting off at 22 bucks an hour doing an extremely difficult job that we do. You know, we have operators that are constantly being harassed, threatened, intimidated, <sighs> assaulted on a daily basis. And, you know, we were able to uh, to portray that throughout the media sources that we were able to mm -hmm. um that we were able to to bring on board, you know, yes. to show our side of the story in terms of what it's really like out there for an operator on a daily basis. Yeah, and I'm glad I mean, I've learned that from you because it's something that I didn't really, I feel like my experience is fairly you know limited in terms of the times that I do take Muni. Um, so it's like, interesting to hear what it is like for you know folks who spend hours a, a day doing this and interacting with folks. Yeah, you know, the majority of the operators that we have, jeez, uh, 99% of them are out here to provide a good, decent ser public right. service for right. the general public, you know. And, of course, there are, you know, a few bad apples, just like there are in any other job and in our families, you know, and in our sure. close friends, you know what I mean? So that's always going to be there, you know, just like the writing public. I mean, 99% of the writing public, they're just they're great people. Yes. You know, they just want to get yeah. from point A to point B, you know, and you have the one small percent of a percentage of you know a group or a person or persons that are just going to make your life a living hell yeah you know but overall um you know it's a it is what it is and we try to do the best that we can to provide a decent you know service for the residents of the city and county of san francisco yeah so what um what benefits are there for for transit workers in terms of the union like what can the union offer workers what has a union yeah. not offered? I mean, goodness yes. gracious. I mean, unions are the ones that sure. brought us, you know, the uh, the nine to five unions mm -hmm. brought us, you know, being able to have weekends off. Unions brought mm -hmm. us wage increases and unions yes. brought us uh, vacation time and unions are the reasons why we're able to obtain overtime. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, this is the reason why we have all these great oh, yes. benefits because of unions. And yeah. that's one of the many things that I uh, learned in um, in the class with Professor Fred Glass. You know? Yes, yeah. And I was just curious as to what in particular um, the Transit Workers Union, um, if there's anything that that union in particular offers workers. 
Uh, everything from yeah. a decent paying job, mm -hmm. great retirement, mm -hmm. health care, yeah. benefits. You know, we have one of the best, some of the best in the city and county of San Francisco. I think uh, the cops and uh, the firefighters, they're, they're always sort of, you know, at the top mm -hmm. one and two. And then we're yeah. sort of right underneath them. Okay. So, you know, it's a, it's a strong, very strong union, very strong organization. That's you know, great. I'm proud of it. They're here. The International is actually here. TWU, Transport Workers Union International, they're here. Um, they've been here for a couple of months now, and they've actually helped us tremendously mm -hmm. in terms of the contract. And we would not have been able to get this far if it had not been for their help, their intervention, their everything that they've loaned us from uh finances to advice consultants etc so you know shout out to the transport workers union international for helping us get through some of our most difficult times yeah yeah cool so i thought maybe you can talk a little bit about your own experience if you'd like just in terms of growing up in san francisco <clears throat> yeah sure so you know when i was 19 years old that was kind of during the height of the dot-com boom era and around maybe 1999, 2000, 2001, my family was being threatened with evictions and um, I really didn't know what to do at the time. So it was just naturally in me. I started organizing, grassroots organizing, mass mobilizing and educating my community here in the, in the Mission District. After a couple of months of organizing the members of the community, uh, there were thousands of people in front of our house backing us up, protesting on our behalf, rallying in our support, you know, and we were able to get the attention of the media press, uh, board of supervisors came down, specifically mm -hmm. Tom Amiano mm -hmm. was helping us out, speaking up on, on our behalf, you know, and after several months of organizing and just grassroots mobilizing, we were able to overturn one of um, uh, our, our eviction wow. and, uh, and we won. There were a couple of people that were documenting the events. They yes. made a couple of documentaries. Channel 9, KQED, made a documentary about the movements that were led here in San Francisco pertaining to that. It's called uh, Home Front Bay Windows okay. by Jennifer Taylor. And also Whispered Media made an independent documentary called um, Boom, the Sound of Eviction. Mm. And so that's sort of how I what sparked my interest in politics and grassroots organizing, mass mobilizing, etc. Yeah. And like, uh, here I am, geez, almost 20 years later. That was when I was 19 years old. I'm 37 now, so okay. almost two decades ago. Wow. That's a very inspirational. And thank you for suggesting those. I think folks can check those out. Absolutely. Pieces. Yeah, it's also just a reminder of how you know long folks have been organizing. That's something that helps provide me with some sense of hope, is just the understanding that people have been fighting for such a long time many different fights yeah. you know and uh here in san francisco the mission is one of those sort of uh strongholds you know mm -hmm. whether we're fighting for uh gay rights women's rights uh undocumented rights mm -hmm. housing rights um affordable health care yes. rights you know wherever whatever it, it may be the mission is one of those strongholds where we're just not backing down and we're not backing up you know we're always at the forefront we're at the vanguard of the fight yes yeah oh yeah it's tough, right. but here we are, you know, right. moving forward. And uh, there's always Indeed. a challenge and a fight to be fought. Yes, yeah. It's always something. Yeah, in the, in the beginning of the show, I go through some news events and that are happening, and it's difficult to not feel completely overwhelmed by all that's happening in the world and still want to find ways that folks can take action and, and fight back. Correct. And like I said, um, you know, getting 
be getting involved, getting educated, you know, taking a stance and doing something about it, not just complaining and whining about it, but actually yeah. doing something about it, you know, even if it's something as simple as uh, uh, sending a chain letter email to your, you know, local congressperson, right. your senator, your, the mayor, you know, the board of supervisors, you know, all that stuff adds up. Yes. It really does. Yeah. I was just reading a, an article about how they've just voted to close juvenile hall in San Francisco. <laughs> right. Which... Um, you know, it's like better late than never kind of a thing where, and again, it's like, you know, folks taking action and organizing for a long time to, to make that happen. And it does feel reassuring to know that folks do have a voice. Right. Correct. Um, any word on what they're planning on making that? Um, not, not, uh, not yet. Not that I know of. No. Um, so I think they were talking about how they need to, um, create something else in the meantime. So to provide an alternative for, for children. Good, good, good. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was one thing we, we got to. We've gotten to a lot very quickly so far here. Yeah. Uh, ask away. I'm here. Ask away. Yeah. I'm here for another, what is this, 30 minutes. Okay. All right. So, let's see. So, I'm, just, I'm curious as to, I guess, most of my questions as a, someone who really loves and values public transit, what's something you think that we can help get other more folks, more folks to to take public transit. What's something that we that we can do? Yeah, instead of um, folks who opt for Lyft or Uber, like what can, um, and also as you were talking about the benefits to being in the union, I was thinking if all the folks who drove for Lyft and Uber were to instead work for Muni, I mean, that would be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? Absolutely, you know, one of the things that we need to work on, and, and when I say we, I, I think more the agency itself, not, mm-hmm. not the union or the operators, because like I stated, the operators are here. Mm-hmm. We're here to work, we're here to provide a service, we're here to serve the general public of San Francisco. I think what it is is, you know, more vehicles, better vehicles, mm-hmm. safer vehicles, cleaner vehicles, and vehicles that are just more reliable and dependable um, in terms of, like I said, on, on-time performance and cleanliness. Yeah. You know, that's what the ridership wants to see, on-time yes. performance and, and, and cleanliness. So, you know, that's, that's not something that the operator can improve on. Right. The agency has to step up their game. Yeah. You know? And is there anything the public can do to, like, force the agency to do that? Let them be known. Let, yeah. General public, let let it be known. You know, mm-hmm. to the uh, to the SFMTA, how how you feel, your concerns. Yeah. You know, don't mm-hmm. just uh, whine and complain about it. Yeah. Do something. Like I stated, even if it's as simple as writing an email and sending it to, you know, the uh, the powers that be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I was gonna say. Oh, I was curious in terms of here in the Bay Area. There's so many different transit agencies. Like there's BART. There's Caltrain. There's AC Transit in the East Bay. I was curious, what is the relationship between operators in like the East Bay and North Bay, for instance? Um, we all have a tough job. Yeah. You know, um, that's a given. However, I think Muni Transit operators uh, have a much more difficult job mm-hmm. just because of the fact that uh, we have sort of this, how can I say this? Um, this sort of free-for-all sort of um, nonchalant attitude in terms of health and safety and respect. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we have the all-door boarding policy, which allows anybody and everybody to board. Yes. You know, pretty much for free. I don't know of any other agencies that have that implemented. Mm-hmm. And so that just causes what I consider a deterioration sort of of the, uh, of the system. Um, the only thing that that does do in terms of... Uh, uh, of a benefit is to increase the time because you boarding everybody from the 
front door, the middle door, the back door, yeah. you know, it's obviously much, much faster, right? However, it creates a, um, sort of a disastrous situation because you don't know who's coming in and out of the bus. Sure. You don't know what's coming in and out of the bus. You don't get to control it as much, so you're not the captain of your ship, mm. uh, you know, just to use an analogy. Um, so... In terms of what type of relationship we have with the other agencies, it's it's, it's a good working relationship, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I'd like to say that uh, that it's a safe job, but it's really not. It's kind of a dangerous uh, yeah. job to be in, you know. Wow. Um, I was curious about the the construction about building the new line that goes through Chinatown. So I haven't heard too much about it, and I was wondering if you knew. Um, any details about that? The subway? Well, let's yeah. see. Uh, I've heard that it's taken longer to build that small stretch of, uh, of expansion than it has to, uh, when comparing it to the Golden Gate Bridge of San Francisco. They're saying that the... Wow. Yeah, that it's taking longer to build that than it did the bridge, the wow. Golden Gate Bridge in the what, in the 30s? When, when was it built? In the 30s, I mm-hmm. believe? 40s uh so that's kind of just interesting you know given the fact that technological advances and all this other stuff you Mm -hmm. know so it's just sort of um what i one of the many aspects that i consider in terms of wasteful spending Mm -hmm. you know you don't have money to pay decent salaries or to pay higher salaries but you have money to spend on all these projects that you're doing Mm -hmm. and in the end you know sort of turn up being twice or three times the amount of money that you had predicted in the beginning yeah and oftentimes you know it just turns out to be sort of a wasteful spending yeah yeah do you think part of that is just due to miscommunication or like lack of foresight yeah absolutely lack of foresight bad communication you know one person saying this the other person saying that um it seems like everybody wants to be in charge nobody knows what the heck they're doing (laughs) and it's just okay everybody just like i said free for all you Mm -hmm. know there's no there's no order everybody wants to be the boss and nobody wants to be the worker Mm. so nothing gets done and when it does get done it ends up being three or four times the amount of money time and energy that you originally had predicted because there's no communication there's no oversight yeah wow Hmm. wow um how has um you need like you've since you've lived in san francisco you're and you've been here your entire life i was uh born and raised in let's see in el salvador came here when i was about seven eight years old okay and i've been in the in the mission ever since so Mm -hmm. quite quite a while yeah i was curious um since the time you've been in the mission how has i know we've talked a lot about how san francisco has changed and a lot of folks have talked about gentrification and all that and i was curious from your experience if there's anything else you'd like to share um in the in the changes you've seen and or what's been the same uh the struggle continues la lucha sigue you know, like I stated earlier, regardless of what yeah. battle you are fighting for, you know, the uh, the struggles are still here. We have mm-hmm. rents that are increasing, you know. Uh, we have, what, one of the highest rate rents um, in the United States of America. If yeah. not, I think the highest rent, I think it's up to, what is it, $3,700 for a one-bedroom to rent. So it's just... Um, there's been good changes and there's been bad changes. Yeah. You know, there's been some cleanup here, but then there's been displacement over there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been um, wage increases in some pl- places. Yeah. But then there's also uh, huge increases in rent. Right. You know, right. so we're paying you more money. Mm-hmm. Now leave the city because you can't afford to pay rent. Yeah. Because I'm jacking up your rent. Yeah. So it's always a it's it's a never ending battle. Yeah. You know, it's a never ending battle. Yeah. 
And I remember you mentioned El Salvador, and I remember in class you spoke about that briefly, and I was wondering, do you have any interest in sharing that at all? Uh, in terms of what? Yes, your family's experience there. Well, let's see. We came here to San Francisco because mm-hmm. of the war mm-hmm. in the 1980s. Um, I've visited my country a couple of times, but uh, it's uh, it's it's tough just mm-hmm. uh, reminiscing and going back there and um, reliving sort of those dark and gloomy days in the yeah. 1980s. You yeah. know, so. Um, it's tough. Everybody has their own battles and their own struggles. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> oh, taking a moment to, to take that in. It's, um, with radio, it's a, I know the platform is, is all audio, and definitely there's a lot of moments on the show where I need to just take a, a moment to pause. It's a lot to think about, you know, but uh, we're still here and we have to continue moving forward, you know, and just uh, always educating and organizing ourselves, you know, to try and improve our our situation because, you know, from one day to another, it's just a lot can happen. Yes. You know, overnight. A lot can happen overnight. That's why it's important to, you know, just be ready, to be educated, to be organized and to be willing to do what you need to do in terms of fighting for like I said, whatever rights you're fighting for, yes. homeless rights, gay rights, housing rights, undocumented rights, whatever it may be, you know, because there's always a battle, a struggle to be fought and there's no way you can fight all of them or yeah. be involved in all of them, you know, so you have to unfortunately pick and choose which ones are yeah. more pertinent to you. Yeah, and I think at the same time also recognize how they're all connected and how it is like state violence against correct against all of us and if we, there's more ways for us to come together and recognize that we have the same enemies a lot of the time. Right. Uh, I know easier said than done, but I feel like, yeah, there's, you know, strength in unity, certainly. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I, and I appreciate talking and having, I'm, I'm a shy person, certainly. I don't know if you remember from class, but I was usually pretty much like to listen to a lot of other folks as opposed to talk, which is kind of the opposite of when I come here into the radio station, which is the one time in the week I get to really talk a lot. Um, but I do appreciate just hearing other people's stories and people's experiences and learning how universal uh, people's experiences can be. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Yeah, it is a bit ironic. You were one of the quietest ones, <laughs> and now you're one of the yeah. most talkative ones. Yeah, it's yeah. sort of ironic in that way. Yeah, yeah I think it just it depend, depends on the uh, the situation here. There's, uh, I'm here in the, in the studio often, you know, on my own unless I have guests in here. And so um, perhaps it's a... It's, it's a safety thing where I'm not surrounded by people. I used to do stand-up, of all things. Oh, wow. For a number That's of even years, more ironic. Which is, you know, hard to... I've been thinking about that a lot lately, and I ended up getting political. And I do feel like there's a way to be political in comedy, and some of the best comedy is political when you're punching up. And at the same time, I was just kind of going to shows and just getting so angry about what was happening in the world and not really finding the humor in it. So I decided maybe it wasn't the best venue for me. So wow. it's kind of led me here a little bit. Wow. Good to know. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so what's what's up next for you? Let's see. What's up next? When the time comes, who knows? Uh, maybe even run for uh, San Francisco uh, supervisor. Yeah. You know, why not? You Excellent. Know, just uh, keep moving up the, uh, the ladder, right? Yeah. Why not? Always trying to improve everything and anything and everything. You know, that'd be nice. I'll give it a shot someday. Sure. You know, why not? That sounds great, and I do I do appreciate that. I feel like there's a lot of different ways to uh, make an impact, whether it's you know through the system, outside the system, and when you have folks who are in positions of power who 
have an understanding of how things work, it makes it so much easier to organize when you have folks who are on your side. Yeah, absolutely. There's no way I could have done this, you know, by myself. So, you know, a big shout out and a big thank you to everybody that has um, helped me out up until this this day. You know, I remember at some point in time it was just couple of years ago just me and maybe one or two other people you know some of my closest members of my inner circle and just working forward to trying to improve mm-hmm. you know it was just me and maybe one other person or two yeah you know and now it's hundreds of us you know oh, pretty great. soon it's going to be thousands of us you know and then we're just going to keep on uh growing our numbers that's great yeah yeah uh, is there anything else you'd like to uh promote or or speak about I think that's pretty much it, other than uh, giving another shout-out and promoting um, Professor Fred, Fred Glass's class. Yeah. It's just absolutely fantastic. Indeed. California labor history. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, oh, wait, one more question. So what do you do? So I can imagine that your job can get a little bit, can get stressful, to say the very least. So I was curious, what do you do to unwind, or what do you do for fun? <laughs> <laughs> what do I do for fun? Yeah. Um, I try to hang out with my first lady as much as possible, mm-hmm. and even though that is somewhat uh, difficult just because of the amount of workload that I am overwhelmed with, you know, um, spending time with her and uh, usually helps me unwind, you know, even if it's something as simple as taking a trip to, I don't know, Six Flags or, mm-hmm. you know, going hiking or something, you know. Nice. Haven't been able to travel as much as I'd like to. Um, but uh, after, you know, in a couple of months, I'm hoping that everything can just sort of die down and settle down in terms of, of, of the workload. Yeah. So that I can give myself a vacation. Definitely. Much you deserve vacation. it. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I find that a lot of folks who do this kind of work, that it's difficult to find that balance because right. the work is so important and you want to show up as much as you can and then also not have that burnout really, really affects your personal life. Correct. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, I can take a bit of a music break here and be back in just a moment. Continue playing some music from, this is Sapphire Lung, which folks can find at sapphirelung.bandcamp.com. And we'll be back in a bit. Stay tuned.
Stack your wood in the fireplace. Warm your house, your house so warm. Stack your wood and stare out into the storm. And trace the stain on the window pane in the shape of my nose. Trace the stain and stare out into the storm you won't see me you won't see me but i see i see i see you leave a bowl of milk on the windowsill and that helps you sleep tonight and i breathe the smoke of your fire i breathe and I dream, I dream, I dream of your life And I choke, so I eat your house cat alive And fuck your peaceful protest And fuck your gay parade And fuck your ivory tower Fuck your powdered sugar problems Your mean words cut me Your mall cops punt me Your chasers fuck me My face is bloody Wind, hail, rage My hands are raw, my mind is gone I am blinded by the sleet and I cannot see, can't see Can't see, can't see another day ahead of me While you sip your chocolate I stare down from the skylight And the wind, it cuts my back and the firelight cuts my face Am I being forged? Or am I being tamed? Fuck your peaceful protest Fuck your gay parade Fuck your ivory tower Fuck your powdered sugar problems You're me Words cut me, your mall cops hunt me, your chasers fuck me, your face is ugly, you're mean. Words cut me, your mall cops hunt me, your chasers fuck me, your cameras love me, he wins. Hail, rage, how
welcome back to the weekly review. Big thank you to Roger Marengo for coming in and speaking with us. Learned a lot. Ah, big plug for City College. They offer really great courses there. Learned a lot and met a lot of great folks there. So again, if you're in San Francisco, classes are free. So please do check out City College. And that's that's it. Oh, great. That brings me to plugs and stuff. Forgot to plug the station last week. I was so just going overboard. Lots to talk about. Also, please listen to previous episodes. Um, We have going back to 2000, I think 15, we've got the episodes up online. If you go to mutinyradio.fm, there's the archive. Eventually, perhaps we'll get the other shows from 2013 up at some point. Uh, I've spoken with a lot of great folks over the years, musicians, artists, community organizers, activists. Um, It's just, I'm so grateful for all the folks who come in and have called in and have shared their words and ideas and thoughts with us here. It's how things improve in the world. And I always feel better. Uh, The times I do the show on my own is... You know, I get to some stories and whatnot, and also the times when folks come in, it just feels there's a connection there, and we're social creatures, and if we're able to connect with folks, uh, the better things are. So here's a plugging here's a plugging time. I listen to podcasts, other podcasts, and there are some folks who have sponsors, and they you know they break in and they're like, this company, da da da. I guess so. This is a, t- a time to say if you oh, and I want to say like an ethical company or something that I actually might support. And you would like to uh, <laughs> advertise on this show. We had over 18,000 downloads, I believe, in the month of March. That's a lot. And these are, you know, each download is an individual podcast. So um, people are listening. Super grateful for that. I know some folks who listen. Other folks we may have never met. So I do thank you for for tuning in. It means a lot. Uh, it's easy to feel hopeless uh, in these times. And also recognize that there's a lot of folks, I believe there's more of us than there are of them. And I guess that feeds into the idea of the binary and the us and them. And also when there are folks in positions of power and there are supporters who wish to cause harm to people, it's important to recognize that I believe most of humanity is good. And we are, we do want to live in a better world. And maybe it's easy to forget that when we read these stories of people causing a lot of harm. And it's crucial to remember that there's a, there's a lot of us out there who, who, want the opposite we want to help one another and there are people who are doing that oh yeah (sighs) anyway so we don't really have uh, advertising on this show i advertise things i like for free because i want to make the world a better place and also i've been volunteering my time to do this show now for years and years over five years so maybe that's just years and looking for some sponsors so and again something ethical it's a small business something that helps people i'm happy to Uh, advertise. Uh, We do have a Patreon account that's up. So big thank you to all the individuals who have been sponsoring the show now for over a year. Really grateful for all the help. Got some new sponsors last month. I can't tell you how much it means to me um, that folks listen and also can um, help support the show. Um, The first $100 we raise a month goes directly to paying the dues to be in the station. So thank you so much for folks for contributing. Uh, if you would like to become a recurring donor, anywhere from a dollar a month and up, a dollar, um, I think is super helpful. Like, if you get enough folks just contributing a dollar a month, that would really help out a lot. So, if you go to patreon.com forward slash weekly rev, it'd be a big help. Yeah, 
um, plug in the best I can. It's difficult to ask for help, difficult to ask for money, and also there's a lot of other organizations folks can support. So if you happen to have the excess capital, disposable income, or even an extra dollar a month that you can help put towards uh, the show, would greatly appreciate it. You can also support the station as a whole, mutinyradio.fm. Uh, it's kind of collectively run. Uh, we all pay dues, and that what keeps the doors open. It used to be known as Pirate Cat back in the day. There's a lot of folks here who have shows here every day of the week. So if you're interested in having a show here of your own, you can do that. You get two hours a week to do whatever type of show you'd like. There are comedy shows here. There's news and politics. There's music. There's uh, stand-up. There's spoken word. There's poetry. There's open mics. I think on Wednesday there was an AA meeting. It might still be happening. If you go to mutinyreader.fm, you can check out the full schedule. There's a lot that's happening here. I can also rent the space um, for one night at a time. So... Please do um, come check us out. You know, live studio audiences here. There's a lot going on. A lot of great folks who um, have shows here at the station, and you could be one of them. So that's another option. Ugh. Yeah, I get why folks might read from a script sometimes. I go off the cuff, except when I'm reading news articles. So it's really spontaneous. Uh, I was thinking, you know, I mentioned with to Roger how I, I did, uh, I used to do comedy and I miss doing that and I miss having that impact and I miss having my voice heard in that way, especially when you, you know, you hear folks kind of moving up who, who punch down and that's the thing. It's like, I don't, it's not so much about ego. It's more, um, if there are more folks out there who are, um, preaching solidarity and, uh, punching up instead of hitting at folks with less power and privilege than them. I want to hear more voices like that. It doesn't have to be mine. I don't care if it's mine. I just want to hear other people's voices who speak out um, for what's just and what's right. I would like that. So hopefully, folks listening, this will help inspire folks who are maybe debating whether or not to speak up. And perhaps I'm saying this for myself, too. It's important to speak up and to let one's voice be heard or to share your thoughts. And, and again, it doesn't have to be vocal. There are so many different ways. It could be creating art. It could be amplifying someone else's voice who you believe deserves to be heard. Uh, there's a, a lot of folks out there. I haven't quite gotten... That reminds me... Uh, so uh, YouTube hasn't been enforcing their policies. Same with Twitter. There's a folks who've been harassed. Same with Facebook. A lot of these big tech companies that are here based in the Bay Area... Um, they don't really value their the policies of you know anti-harassment. So there are folks with um, who get harassed. There's homophobic and transphobic, misogynist, racist uh, rhetoric, and people get harassed. People get doxxed, and instead of kicking off or suspending the folks who are causing the harm, it's oftentimes people who speak up about it who get kicked off and. There was a, a big thing recently about a creator on YouTube who was getting harassed. He was doxxed. Folks were sending him text messages um, and racist and homophobic comments. And uh, it's just so fucking deeply upsetting. So YouTube finally decided they said they were going to do something about it. However, in the meantime, they also ended up they're like, oh, we're going to get rid of supremacists, but they haven't. It's just been complicated in terms of who they have, from what I've gathered, who they have gotten um, rid of or demonetized. I think they still allow folks. And that's what I mentioned last week, too, is that these platforms are, they only care about making money. They don't really care about protecting people. So if they have a content creator who has a million followers 
and their entire content is about putting people down, causing harm, harassing people with less power and privilege than they do. The, these companies don't care because that they get a lot of involvement. That involvement's not the right word I'm looking for. Interaction, maybe. Uh, so a lot of folks click on it, then they get advertising money, and it, it's um, they get a lot of folks who will show up for that. And as long as they're making money, some of these companies really don't care who gets hurt in the meantime. So Ford Fisher, who is someone who is a reporter, an investigative journalist, was, I think his work was demonetized. Um, so there's also as an educator. Um, so there is... <sighs> some of that has happened. So folks getting cut in the crosshairs. So and that's also happened on Facebook too. Folks who have spoken out about being harassed by white supremacists and misogynists, uh, the, their own accounts get like taken down or suspended, even though if someone is supporting or not supporting, someone is reporting, excuse me, reporting what's happening. Um, and while the folks, and then the folks who actually cause the harm, they're not being suspended. That's just gross. I don't think I quite got to it earlier in the program, but did want to mention that there's a guy in El Sobrante who had put like a giant swastika in his front yard that can be seen. And there's a lot of stories on the news. One of his neighbors is Jewish and is like obviously very concerned about it. And so it's another thing where it's, and this guy's denying that he's a Nazi and um, it's just fucking disgusting. And it's a thing here where it's, live in this Bay Area where a lot of folks it's this reputation of being a quote unquote safe place. Yet there are folks living here with really disturbing views. So what can be done to help protect people and to, to show up? And of course also in the article that uh, I think it was an ABC news or something, it mentioned it. They even like the way the mainstream media reports on these on folks like this, they're like, Oh, some neighbors are upset about it. And it's really like some only some, that's a disturbing thing to say. And also they are mentioning, of course, that law enforcement refused to do anything about it. And we know that law enforcement has protected Nazis here. There was the rally in Berkeley last year or the year before. I've lost track now. Um, and folks came to confront neo-Nazis and far-right groups. And police not only protected these groups, they ended up shooting either rubber bullets or tear gas. I don't remember. It's happened a number of times at uh, counter-protesters. So again, it's not surprising that law enforcement will protect far-right groups. Oh, man. Didn't want to end on a downer. And also just recognizing that this is what's happening. Um, I do want to provide someone to follow on Twitter because that's uh, one of the people who has been. Um, so if you want to uh, follow uh, Carlos Maza on Twitter, his handle is at GayWonk, and that's G-A-Y-W-O-N-K. And Carlos has been... Um, tweeting about what his experience has been like um, as a creator on on YouTube. So that's where I started. Um, some other folks had shared his information and what he's been going through. Um, so, yeah, if you want to read more about that, oh, it's, it's disheartening. Oh, okay. Want to get to a few other things here, though, because there's a lot. There's a lot more to get to. Oh, goodness. Okay. 
I did want to play a video from uh, Mihente. Folks can check out mihente.net. And I didn't mean to, I mean, now I'm like feeling kind of down and kind of low, recognizing this is what's happening. And uh, I'm just going to accept it for what it is. It's disturbing when, you know, you think you, when, and perhaps it's naive on my part that uh, folks would naturally evolve and progress and learn to help one another instead of harm one another. And it seems to be that there's more folks causing harm to, to people because they feel like they can get away with it. So what can be done, done to counteract that? Um, we are here at the station. Well, I can speak for myself only, but hopefully other folks at the station here are also uh, think ice uh, is disgusting. Not the actual substance of frozen water, but ice, the uh, group of people who cause a lot of harm to many people and wish for ice to be abolished. Also, ice is not very old. It's, I think it's a little more than a decade old. Um, and it's, we lived before it, we can live after it, we should abolish ICE. Um, and it of course stands for Immigration and Customs Enforcement, which causes more harm than good. And yeah, it was only started, it was formed 16 years ago. So most of us who are around are older than this. I don't even know what to call it. I mean, it's a law enforcement agency. We can call it that. And they are actively putting children in cages. They are separating families. They are causing massive harm to people. And ICE needs to be abolished. Um, a number of trans women have also, and, ch and children have died in, in ICE custody. So also wanted just to share some information about that. And here's a link to a video I'm going to play um, that I found on the Mehente website. If you go to mehente.net, you can find more information there. And this is uh, Issa Nayola uh, describing how trans asylum seeker Johanna Medina's death in ICE custody shows how much is at stake uh, to our communities. And that's the, the headline here. So I'm going to uh, share this right now. And this is a video that you can find on their website. And it may take me one moment here. Having a little bit of difficulty uh, playing it. Here we go. Hola, mi gente. Um, hola, mi gente. Um, this is Isa. Um, just going to give folks a couple minutes to join. Um, yeah, to share some reflections about all that has happened, um, all that is going on in this moment of so much violence, um, especially this month of Pride, um, where so many so many cities and um, places are celebrating, um, have started to celebrate. So um, just giving some folks uh, a couple minutes to join, um, yeah. And this is uh, Mihente's deputy director, Issa Nayola, and you can find this on the Mihente um, website. So, yeah, I, um, I am having such a hard time coming up with words right now. Um, I think my heart is really heavy um, in the midst of so much uh, grief and uh, sorrow 
that our communities are experiencing. Um, but I wanted to take the time um, to share and acknowledge this moment. And, you know, as an organization, Mi Gente um, is working closely with communities on the ground, um, especially in El Paso, that have been supporting um, folks uh, who have been inside detention in the Otero facility. Um, we've been working with the uh, detained uh, migrant uh, solidarity group um, and so many other folks uh, who, uh, yeah, are have been supporting, like so many other places across this country who have been supporting migrants who have been locked up in detention. Um, that we, we know, um, as mi gente, that like the violations, the human rights violations have been ongoing. This is not new. Um, these violations have been occurring um, ever since the detention facility um, system has been growing and manifesting in our communities. And so um, this continues to occur. And we have another example of just what's, what's at stake, what's at stake in this moment, what's at stake for our communities, um, what we mean by, you know, um, abolish ICE, what we mean by saying we want to get rid of these systems that are harming our communities, that are harming our people, um, especially vulnerable populations. And so um, Johanna is a part of that. Um, and she has suffered the, um, you know, the, she paid the, the biggest price ever. And so with her life, um, she was a young trans woman from El Salvador who migrated um, with so much hope, um, con mucha esperanza, and uh, she is uh, seeking refuge, uh, seeking a chance and an opportunity. So um, we just want to acknowledge this moment and how hard it is for everyone to process, um, for folks to hear this news yet again coming off of a week of action um, that I, a lot of LGBT uh, groups on the ground across the country have been mobilizing and that Familia has been supporting, Familia Trans Queer Liberation. And so um, I know today is a, a culmination, or uh, I think it's the last week of uh, day of action in Sacramento, where they're going to uplift both Roxana and Johanna's case and lives. Um, so it's, it's a tough moment. Um, and I just kind of want to share that, be in solidarity with folks on the ground, be in solidarity with communities um, as both an individual and as an organization, and that we are committed um, more than ever to the larger vision that we have of liberation for all of our communities, um, for those that um, feel that, this, that the state is um, zeroing in on them, that we, we got your back, we're here for you. Um, and, you know, we continue to fight and that if there's anything that should give us hope is that our communities continue to show up as we've seen um, time and time again. Um, and nothing changes. We continue to fight. We continue to show up. Um, and just that we, um, you know, we're, we're not stopping until these systems and, and facilities, detention facilities um, are completely abolished. Uh, because we can't see the suffering of our people any longer. We can't see the deaths of our people any longer. Um, and Johanna, along with Roxana and so many other uh, migrant children at the border, um, you know, um, vulnerable populations that are suffering in, in solitary confinement and administrative segregation in this very moment, um, 
we are joining their voices and we're joining their struggle because there's so much at stake and they're the ways that ICE continues to dehumanize our people is, is, can no longer continue. And so we continue to fight, we continue to show up. Um, y estamos aquí. Um, so quiero compartir el mensaje que apenas dije en inglés. Uh, y es, estamos aquí en este momento muy difícil cuando um, Johanna, uh, una mujer migrante trans del Salvador, fue um, asesinado por ICE. Uh, ella estuvo en un centro de detención en Otero, en, um, en Otero, um, cerca de uh, la frontera de Juárez. Y estamos con, um, estamos en, en este momento tan difícil donde comunidades están organizando, están peleando, están luchando contra el Estado, contra uh, inmigración, uh, porque hay mucho que hay mucho que pelear, ¿verdad? Por las vidas, por todo el sufrimiento que está ocurriendo adentro. Y queremos en este momento tomar, uh, ya, tomar uh, este momento muy serio, ¿verdad? Porque uh, estas noticias nos llegan con como un, un, una pesadilla grande. Uh, y la, y um, seguimos viviendo la pesadilla de nuevo y de nuevo y de nuevo. Y estamos esperando que, que pare toda esta verdad, que pare las violaciones uh, del sistema de inmigración um, y que podamos um, un día finalmente acabar con todos estos sistemas, ¿verdad? So estamos aquí en la lucha, estamos con ustedes como organización, como personas, como humanos, como personas que um, nuestras familias han sufrido demasiado, ¿verdad? Y uh, nos han querido atropellar. Pero seguimos adelante, seguimos luchando, seguimos en pie porque sabemos que vamos a ganar. Sabemos que un día vamos a ver el fin de estos sistemas que no benefician a ninguna persona, ¿verdad? So, estamos aquí con ustedes, uh, seguimos en la lucha, seguimos al pie uh, y vamos, no nos vamos de ningún lugar. Uh, estamos en las comunidades uh, organizando, estamos apoyando y vamos a seguir. Gracias. All right. So this was Mijente's Deputy Director, Issa Nayola. And you can find this video at mijente.net. You can also follow Mijente uh, online as well and uh, on Twitter. And there's ways to take action, membership. You can donate. Lots of other ways to support. Uh, it's a really great organization. I wanted to go. Um, we'll be playing some more music from trans artists throughout the show. And um, also wanted just to get to some more. I feel like I've talked a lot during the show and I've also uh, misspoke or used words I didn't mean to use. So I'm going to just be playing a few other things, audio clips um, for the rest of the show here. Also stay tuned because I do believe it's the, the week, it's the first week. So I believe there should be Women's Magazine and Common Thread Collective coming up next. Or I think they're second and fourth, maybe they're first and third. Anyway... Oh, yeah, so they might not be here this week. Okay. See, this is what I mean. I'm going to continue to share other people's words because I am uh, feeling a little bit spent. So this is a, a video from uh, Stolen Belonging, which you can follow. Um, it's on YouTube. I know it's gross. Um, YouTube itself, the not the, the way they, they handle their policies. That's what I want to say. Please don't take that out of context. Okay. If you go to stolenbelonging.org, um, and they have some videos up, and they're also going to have captions coming soon, so I wanted to share that. Also, something else... 
ideally for this for this show, I would love to have transcripts of all the episodes up, as well as translations into Spanish and other languages. So that's something I'm putting out into the universe. Again, volunteering my time doing this show. Um, thanks for folks who support. Eventually, I'd like to get to the point where I can fund uh, folks to help out with this more and just provide a service so more and more folks have the ability to to read and or hear what's happening. Cool. Okay. So getting to that, this is an episode from Stolen Belonging. It's about nine minutes long, and this is episode two, City as Thief. And again, you can find this at stolenbelonging.org. So I will be playing this this audio, and I'll be back uh, afterwards to wrap up the show. Stay tuned. And there are some uh, words on the screen, so I'm going to read those. SFPD and Department of Public Works are stealing homeless residents' survival gear and personal belongings in violation of human and constitutional rights and often in violation of San Francisco's own city policies. I made lists of all the things that were taken I could remember this is Todd Bryant, but SFSA. you know, of course, DPW took that stuff too, as well. I mean, every time I they take everything, anything, anytime I get something, they take it. They, they, uh, you, like you, they tell you to move, and you move something down the street. When your back's turned, they grab something and throw it in the back of the truck. Five months before Todd's interview, we caught SFPD and DPW trashing his belongings. Did they throw in your stuff away? Yeah, that's like almost like they threw it away. Go ahead, yeah. Film it. What are they doing right now? Uh, these guys, uh, these officers here, are taking my stuff and they're throwing it away. Everything I own, stealing my stuff, which they say you can go get back in the DW uh, yard, but you never get back. I've been down there so many times, I never get a thing back. They keep it all. They're taking all my food that I have. I'm diabetic and they're taking my food and anxious food and they're going to take my food and throw it away. And I just bought that tarp yesterday, so I have no shelter. I'm just going to freeze my ass off out here. SF policy states that city workers can't take attended property unless a person refuses to move it and is given sufficient time to do so. Then they must bag, tag, and store it for 90 days so one can retrieve it. After declaring we knew the policy, officers told us we could move what was left of Todd's belongings down the block. Hey, dude, um, they're stealing your shit! When our, excuse me. I'm going to just go back to finish reading this here. And again, this is Stolen Belonging, Episode 2, City is Thief. When our backs were turned, dot, dot, dot. Hey, dude, they're stealing your shit! Okay, so, ma'am, you're more than welcome. That's not abandoned property. You know it's his. Bagging and tagging. It's getting back. It's, it's not abandoned. Speaking. It's his. He's right there. I, I understand. It's his property still. It's, it's not abandoned. Recording. I understand. You can't take unabandoned property. Uh, I'm done talking to you. You're not understanding. Police reports have been conducted. Uh-huh. All right. So they have been noticed and they know what's going on. Uh-huh. It's an unfortunate situation. You're supposed that's to post notice. So where is it posted? Yeah. Todd's belonging are on wheeled carts. They cited him for illegal lodging. Get his stuff back. No, no, 
thousand people on the waiting list for the shelters. I spent literally over 40 hours at the navigation of the EPW yard trying to get my stuff back. They've taken everything I own. They took $60,000 in snap-on tools one time. All gone. There's nothing there. They say, that oh, someone robbed the yard or some crap. There's always some excuse why they don't have my stuff. And they keep it all. They keep it for themselves. That's what they do. I'm a former uh, DBW, and I was working there recently. The company and the supervisors would say if, uh, to throw the belongings away. I was like, they're tents and all that, and their clothing, and their belongings they got. But once you've decided that you're caught or you've been ordered by police to confiscate their stuff, yes. do you give them any sort of receipt? Do you bag and tag it? Or no. Or just go in the back of the truck? I just toss it, and whenever that looks good to them, they go sell it on the weekend. Who sells it? The DBW workers on the weekend. Where do they sell it? At the flea market on 16 Mission. I've seen some of the workers and the stuff and I'm like... Well, you've seen the workers at the... Yes. Company? And you knew that stuff was from the pickups? Yeah. The yes. It was about three days after my birthday. Uh, they literally took... Uh, decided to take a, my bin that I kept all of my belongings in, like everything that I own. So, um, including the few birthday presents that I got three days prior. We're going to the DPW compound or whatever, the place of business where they are supposed to take the items that they supposedly bag and tag when they take it from us to see if they have my stuff. to to pick up some of our things that were bag and tagged. Yeah. Oh, you're not allowed to pull into the yard. Okay. Oh, um, well, the office closes at. Uh, well, you're not allowed to pull into the yard with okay, your so we're just, we're just Can you go back out to the gate and I'll call somebody? We just were out there and they sent us over here. Just trying to figure out what I need to do to pick up I'll some of my stuff that was. Okay, yeah, we have, have a process out here. Come out out here We came into that way. Items that would yeah, there's a there's a green wagon full of stuff, like a wagon that you pull, you know. Um, uh, a big pelican case that's kind of busted open. And okay, let's see what I can do. Thank you. The DPW workers are back. All right, um, it's four o'clock. Um, we've been waiting. Since we talked to the guy who's gonna go look for my stuff for like an hour at least, uh, and it's raining. Uh, this is what they've been doing to everybody I've talked to is uh, just making them wait. And then they send up leaving, which is what they're wanting everybody to do because uh, I don't believe that they have my uh, possessions at all. 23 people so far have come out here that I know, 
have not gotten one one item back. It's exactly the same thing that they come out here, they wait, they wait, they wait. Someone may come, like us, at least we drove up and we drove in there, we made them pay attention to us. We made them like come out and speak to us. Um, other people, they sit out here and they wait, there's no, no signs, there's nothing saying, oh, please call this number. There's nothing like that. Um, so when someone finally does say, oh, have you been helped? You know, then someone pays attention and then you got another hurry up and wait. You know, it's a big clusterfuck of nothing, of basically hurry up and wait. And and each person that comes out here and sit, you know, that waits, you know, 23 people just in my own dealings with have not got one item back, not a tent, not a sleeping bag, not um, their items that, that, that they, that they needed to survive out here, to stop, to help even an umbrella, nothing. DPW and SFPD sweep residents all over the city and take their belongings every day. Thousands are impacted every year. However, our public records request revealed that the city only logged approximately 60 bag and tag forms in 2016, 70 in 2017, and 400 in 2018. 2018. Forms often contain little to no information. They reveal early morning sweeps. This one here is 2.20 a.m. Taking people's medication at 5.40 a.m. Looks like someone's insulin, it says here on the sheet. Items in their custody are often stolen. Or, quote unquote, not found. And they're sharing uh, photographs of these uh, forms. These inhumane tactics and acts of theft don't solve poverty. They push people further into it. Unhoused residents have a right to their belongings, to dignity, to decent housing, and to belong here. Take action. Stop the sweeps. Housing and services now. Uh, to learn more and follow the project at stolenbelonging.org, get involved at cohsf.org. And this was the second video from Stolen Belonging uh, called City as Thief. And again, if you check out stolenbelonging.org, uh, you can find more information there as ways to help out and stop the sweeps. All right. On that note, we're going to wrap up the show here. Big again, thank you to Roger Morenko for coming in and sharing his experience. Is, oh, I am, whew, there's a lot going on in the world. And hopefully... Uh, there will be more ways to take action that I can share in the future. Again, uh, check out the Queer Rebels Fest, which is happening tonight. Um, lots of events happening here during Pride Month. Also, the last song we played uh, was, it's, you can find it by Bog Princess. If you go to bogprincess.bandcamp.com forward slash releases from uh, not songs for headphones, songs for blasting from small speakers, demos. And I'm going to finish up by playing a couple more songs from this as well. And um, we'll see how much time we got here. So thanks again so much for listening in. And uh, we'll be back again next week. Uh, it's the Queer Women of Color Film Fest. So we've got a guest coming in from that, uh, Nava Mao. 
Uh, we'll be coming back to talk about waking hour. Looking forward to having that conversation. Thanks again so much for listening in. Lots of information. Ugh. Okay. Well, have a great uh, week, everybody. And we'll be back next week. I'm the grotesque. Do not call me a woman. I'm the bog princess. Bog princess. Don't die ever. I don't die ever. And I'm not fabulous fish, I'm not fierce, I'm not brave Not a goddamn queen, not a happy fucking gay I am snips, I am snails, severed puppy dog tails And I remember every cut and y'all can suck my cunt Suck my, I don't die ever I don't die ever so what I fight without honor, I've got nobody's back. I'm that cold rain falling on your rainbow flag. Cast no pearls before me, I will never call you back. Let's be clear about this, baby. You're a chaser, I'm a trap. Cause I'm a tranny and a faggot and a pervert and a creep. My gender is the maggot, eats your children in their sleep. I'm a coward and a bully and a pathologic liar. I'm a flaming bag of shit, yeah, I'm a fucking trash. Fire, fucking trash. Fire, don't die ever. I don't die ever. I will stab you in the back if you try to be my friend And I'll beg for your forgiveness and I'll do it all again I'm a narc and a scab, a vindictive little fish But I live without remorse, you made me like this I don't die ever I don't die ever that Yellowstone grits me with a taste for human flesh You should kill me, maybe if I give you the chance Cave my head in with a shovel Dump my body in a lake But I come back every bashing I'm an undead babe And my soul is a monster that no hormone shots cure no scalpel can reverse, I am pure, I am pure, beautiful, beyond beauty, yes I am the grotesque, do not call me a woman, I'm the bog princess, and my hair has turned to splinters, my blood has turned to brine, but like a stench in the swamp, I will Never die. Queers never die. Queers never die. Queers never die. Queers never die.
contoured by an orange light Shaking in an empty bed Curled up like a folding knife On the days that the sun turns red You're tired of fighting The good fight Just take your own advice Please just take your own advice Girl, please just take your own advice Press your teeth into a pillow As if it was my shoulder And whisper my words There's my girl, there's my girl And keep your eyes ahead And your feet on the floor and don't go black and don't look back don't go black on the days that the sun turns red just take your own advice please just take your own advice girl please just take your own advice and break up a piece of bread push it between your teeth fill up a tall glass water your dirt beneath Hold your pocket knife back in your pocket Set down what loads you can And curl your fingers around your own wrist Like taking my phantom hand On the days that the sun turns red just take your own advice Please just take your own advice Girl, please just take your own advice of swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Thank you.
you're my friends out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Mufi's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Fantastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for... <laughs> it's in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen Summer Cottage on the Mountain Ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. <laughs> Your car, and you're listening to one radio station. You need radio stations. 